Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. And I'm really excited to be here today to moderate this panel. We have uh, panelists with very diverse perspectives from across the country, um, and just really excited for our conversation today on health IT and pharma. Um, I want to start by just kind of going over the agenda for today. Um, We'll start with introductions. I'll work through my questions, but throughout the conversation, please feel free to raise your hand if you have any questions. Uh, We want to make sure that uh, the conversation is interactive and and that everyone's questions get get addressed. And we'll also um, reserve probably five minutes at the end of the hour as well for um, additional questions. Um, But for now, I'm going to go ahead and start with introductions. And I'm just going to go ahead and have the panelists um, introduce themselves today with their titles and tell them tell you a little bit about their organization so that you can kind of appreciate their perspectives as we move through the conversation. So I'm going to start on the end with you, Susan, if sure. you would like to go ahead. Sure. Um, my name is Susan Kokora. I am the Corporate Pharmacy Manager for Pharmacy Informatics at New York Presbyterian um, Health System out in Manhattan, New York. Um, We're actually a very giant organization with multiple campuses and several regional hospitals. Um, I've been in my role now for, it'll be six years in June, Um, and prior to that I've been in practice for now um, almost 15 years in pharmacy in various different fields. I'm Brandon Zaharoff. I'm the Director of Optimization at Shields Health Solutions, Uh, so I run our software team working with uh, are you know over 20 health system partners and their specialty pharmacies across the, the U.S. Good afternoon. My name is Brad Myers, and I'm the executive director of pharmacy lab and pathology at the University of Missouri in um, Columbia, Missouri. So if you would pull out a map of Missouri and actually find it on the map, we're kind of located dead center between St. Louis and Kansas City. Uh, currently, we're five hospital systems, so we're kind of a small system, which is neat today for our discussion. We kind of have all different sizes of health systems and different perspectives. Uh, for our discussion today. Uh, We are a rural academic health center, uh, which is very different typically in large cities, but not um, where we are located at. Um, We also, as part of our conversation today, we're closely integrated with Cerner, since Cerner is about two hours away from us. We are one of the value creation offices for Cerner. Hillary Blackburn, I'm the Director of Pharmaceutical Services at Dispensary of Hope, which is a ministry of St. Thomas Health and Ascension. And we're the nation's uh, leading charitable medication distributor. So we've assembled a collaborative of most of the largest generic pharmaceutical companies and most of the largest health systems who are serving uninsured uh, low-income patients and are able to uh, get that donated medication to those health systems so that they can dispense it to their patients in need. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and as you can see, uh, like Brad said, we have different size organizations from across the country. So that's kind of what I wanted to touch on for the first question. Um, I know that there are some national trends that are probably affecting all of you, but I want—I would love to hear from each of you a little bit about the, the specific challenges 
um, pharmacy challenges you're facing in your market and just talking a little bit about how you're using tech, leveraging technology to kind of address those issues and overcome those challenges. And I would love to hear from a few of you. Um, Hillary, I could start with you or Susan, um, whoever would like to, to chime in there. Sure. Okay. I'll go ahead and start. Um, so yeah, so medications are, continue to be one of the major drivers of healthcare expenditures at about 17 or 20 percent, and we are all seeing drug prices are continuing to be on the rise, uh, and we keep seeing an increasing number of drug shortages due to consolidation and product rationalization that's happening. So at Dispensary of Hope, it's really important for us to have access to real-time data to know which. Uh, manufacturer weight makes which product. So it seems to change almost by month or at least by the quarter. And um, so in, in order for us to know and go after and recruit these manufacturers um, to be able to get access to all of the meds, we need to know who makes which products that we have on our formulary. Uh, so we've been able to partner with a, a, someone who uh, has access to all of that. They aggregate all of that information and that's been uh, and will be a big game changer for us uh, from that sense. Uh, we also collect data to help best manage our formulary. So uh, medications are offered every month, uh, and uh, those are then ordered by our network. So um, you know we have to be able to know what's coming in and what's going out, and all of that goes into the analytics to help make the best decisions uh, each quarter as we manage our formulary um, to best support uh, our network of over 170 pharmacies and clinics across the country uh, with their essential medicines. Um, we're also affected by drug shortages, so we use predictive analytics to help determine which medications are going to be consistently available uh, for our partners so that they can help best plan and uh, manage their inventories. Uh, so we use technology to help with that. And so I guess the biggest takeaways um, that I would say to sum all of that up is that there's a lot of opportunities within the pharmacy department to bring value, to manage uh, the hospital budget and control overall health spending. Uh, best to be proactive and strategize with your team on potential shortages and an analysis of cost is necessary and close management of your formulary is essential. Great. Yeah, and yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I would love to hear from you, Susan. I, I, I know that <laughs> you might have a little different perspective or different challenges. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything yeah. Hillary's saying. I think. Um, you know, out of looking at all the different challenges, I do have to say, so how many of you in the audience are gonna raise your hand if drug shortages are the bane of the pharmacy world? Right, we deal with that on a day-to-day. -day. So I'd like to basically comment regarding our day-to-day -day functionality of how to kind of approach this challenge in terms of leveraging technology. So you know, we hear all these fancy terms of like artificial intelligence, blockchain, all of the technology, but what I'd like to say to you is always look at if the process is broken, no amount of technology is gonna be able to fix it. So by that is that at New York Presbyterian, we have a very well-oiled machine when it comes to drug shortages in terms of we have our drug information center that does our due diligence, looking at the data to see what is actually available, which um, kind of what Hillary touched on. Secondly, we have a drug shortage committee that we meet every week um, and we work very closely with our IT department. So between those, those three teams, along with our frontline and our operational managers, Sometimes with things like this, guys, we have to go back to the basics. You know, like with pharmacy, our day-to-day -day functionalities, technology can do something, but we have to kind of work on creating that stable and firm workflow prior to kind of dumping the technology. So now the second piece I'm gonna actually talk about is the technology piece. So how do we leverage our technology to do that? 
um, our IT team on a weekly basis. We work with all of those teams that I mentioned to create alerts in the system to kind of say X drug is not available. This is the alternative that you need to work. Um, you know, you need to switch to. The other thing is working very closely with our operational managers is to, you know, in our um, automatic dispensing cabinets, making sure that the inventory matches what we're doing to the system. Now, on a global or long-term solution, what I would suggest is to kind of build order sets for drug shortages. Um, that's actually worked well in several models across the country, is, you know, instead of constantly changing your system every week, um, creating an order set towards that's geared towards pharmacy that contains some of these drugs. And then, of course, you know, you have to stay abreast of what's happening and you can't, you know, you can't be reactive, you have to be proactive. So what our committees do is we kind of look at what's coming down the pipeline and making adjustments and kind of preparing our um, providers of what's coming by creating, you know, drug alerts and sending the communication out. Communication is super important, um, especially for all of our teams and especially being such a large health system, you just have to be a really good, well-oiled machine that we are and that's actually been very, very helpful. Can I jump in as well? Sure. Um, so I think one of the, the things sort of going to the other part of the question around uh, rising drug prices, I mean, we all know there's many sort of high price medications, especially on the specialty side of the equation. But really the, the question is first and foremost, how do we make sure those high prices don't result in negative patient care or poor patient outcomes? And really it's this idea of financial toxicity and not letting it actually affect the patient experience and counteract all the hard work that physicians and pharmacists are working to get the medications or the right medications to patients at the right time. And really one of the things that we do is uh, employ recommendation engines to uh, automate sort of matching patients with uh, financial assistance sources to make sure they're getting copay assistance uh, that really is aligned both with their personal financial situation as well as the, the medications they're focused on to really keep that financial toxicity component out of the uh, pharmacy experience, particularly when you have a, an integrated delivery network. Yeah. But I'm going to add on to Brandon too yeah. as well. I think you hit on a good point there. Is that we we all do a really good job inpatient-wise. However, I think most of us probably spend a big chunk of our time outside the walls of the hospital. Uh, we're actually even with colleagues from Nevant today, and that was one of our discussions: was how do we take the the data and the and the clinical tools that we've built in our IT systems, apply that to our employer group or to certain populations outside the the walls of the hospital. So I really do think that's our future going forward is you know, we've kind of got the inpatient, not perfect, but decent, good, but how do we apply it to the inventory space is going to be next next phase of, of what we're currently doing. Yeah, and I, I love that there were some common themes there and then some, some di diverse um, you know input there. I think that um, the key takeaway I had from like Susan and Hillary is just the importance of being more proactive than reactive and not just throwing technology on top of, of kind of shoddy processes. But I thought I saw a hand, did someone have a question in this area? Okay, I just wanna make sure I didn't miss anyone's questions. So um, for the next question, it's more focused on uh, data analytics. And so Brad, I'm gonna start with you for this question. And I'd just love to, to hear from you um, if you could just kind of do a little bit, provide a little bit of detail about the ways that your organization is leveraging data analytics um, to improve our the pharmacy process. Oh, absolutely. Data is power, that's for sure. And part of our job is, I think I'm looking at name badges, mostly pharmacists in this room, I think, for the most part. Uh, so part of our, what we have to do is take that data and provide a story to it, right? Stories of data with the soul. Uh, but to, to have that story, we have to have strong analytics. So some of the areas that we've been working on, one is just benchmarking 
externally, but also internally. So as we go through cost accounting or DRG-based cost accounting, how can we look at certain procedures that are driving costs or even certain physicians within that provide maybe the same type of procedure? Uh, so we put a lot of energy in. It's amazing the, the difference that you'll see with both outcomes as well as costs when you dig deep into DRG-based cost accounting. Um, the other areas that we're looking at is, is how do we provide better um, clinical decision support as well. I mean, even though you, sometimes people see clinical decision support here in data analytics, but it is part of your data analytics is driving clinical decision support that's actionable and provides value versus something the docs throw their hands up or the pharmacies every time they see an alert pop up. Uh, so we spend a lot of energy of trying to use data to, to find actionable and meaningful alerts um, going forward. And, and as I mentioned, Brandon hit, hit it earlier with the um, copay assist is really more of an inventory type of environment or discharge environment is that, you know, how do we take all this data and apply it to, you know, who are high-risk patients that are driving the cost for our health system, uh, which has been a challenge. So it's not easy. It seems like it'd be pretty easy, but it's, it's definitely been tough um, to figure out who those patients are and how we manage that population. Yeah, and so, how can you can you talk a little bit more about that about how you're how you're identifying those patients and then kind of the next steps after and then so once you are able to identify them so what are what are the next steps then to kind of help drive to, the next steps in the process I guess sure. and, and how that's improved over the years so what our strategy has been is to bring in the medical and PBM data and then tie it with our clinical so we have, we're privy to have all the clinical data for our patients, but we're not privy to have that clean medical and, and pharmacy benefits data. So that's what we're trying to do is how do you merge the two together? In a perfect world, we would, ha we would have our own PBM, we have our own medical insurance, and then we have our, our clinical data to tie it together. So that's where we're at in terms of trying to figure out. I knew we can, we can see the clinical side, who's coming to our ED often, who's coming to our urgent cares, who's been hospitalized. However, once again, we're trying to tie the two together to figure out which are our high-risk population driving costs. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And did does anyone else um, have want to weigh in on that question as well about how your maybe how New York Presbyterian is leveraging data analytics? I'd love to hear from you. Susan. Uh, we actually have an FTE that um, does help with data analytics, along with um, someone on the IT team that does do um, data pull for the day-to-day -day kind of stuff. Um, so I think having an FTE to really help, um, you know, utilize um, and kind of get that data for your department really does help um, versus kind of relying on systems. Because you can pull data all you want with different technologies, but you really need someone to analyze that process and make it meaningful. Um, and I think having a person that does that has really, really been beneficial to our department. Um, and kind of along the chains of like the future of our profession, like where is it going? I think one of the biggest things that we need to be looking at is data sharing. And you know, blockchain, um, that's huge. That can be really beneficial for um, pharmacies across um, you know, nationwide. So using that concept to really help with data sharing. Um, we all kind of, um, as different health systems, we work in silos. If we can kind of bridge together um, and do a lot more data sharing, we could be doing a lot more for our patients to leverage that data. And I, I saw you shaking your head throughout that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with sort of the, the points from, from Susan and Brad. And I think one of the important things to focus on is the investment in EHRs over the past 10, 20 years 
have really brought this great asset, this really rich data set. Unfortunately, I think it's, it's not always used to its greatest potential. So really being able to employ data warehouses, data lakes that make it easier for the folks within the health systems to access that knowledge is critical. And one specific example on the pharmacy side that we do with our health systems is using a lot of those drivers across not just EHR data, but pharmacy management systems and a few other data sources we pull in, um, you know, ADTs, et cetera, is being able to proactively identify potential sources of medication non-adherence and use those sort of predictors to automatically sort patients into different sort of buckets in order to sort of cue additional follow-ups from the care team, all in an automated manner using software. So really using a lot of that data and not just relying on the manual analytics behind it, but actually building up those automated workflows through software really helps uh, us and a lot of our health system partners uh, deploy that knowledge and that data asset that's being built up. Oh, so I'll just yes. kind of sum it all up. Um, so I think everyone's kind of hit on different ways that they're using technology. And just to kind of summarize, I think it's really important that you've got to have analytics to help inform your clinical decisions, so how you're managing your formulary, how you're trying to reduce waste, um, you know, looking at, at benchmarking yourself against yourself or other organizations, um, identifying trends, you know, looking at patients who are the outliers and how maybe you could maybe make some clinical interventions on uh, lowering their drug cost therapy. Um, and then just kind of finally, um, the importance that it is for pharmacists to be able to speak up about this. You know, we've been seeing um, drug prices and, and drug shortages that are a huge thing in the news right now. We've seen a couple of different uh, players from the industry come in and um, have been interviewed on the Hill. And next week, there are several pharmacy leaders from health systems that are going to be sharing that story. And you bet they're going to be using data to support what they're telling. So... Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Yeah, and, and I, I think that, um, it, and I don't know if it's just, this is probably something that you all have been dealing with day in and day out for years, but it just seems like the, um, the, the drug, the rising drug costs and the conversation around it has really just like, it's been in, not only been in the news, but the, you know, there's so much happening with the, the testimony in Congress. So it should be exciting to see, hopefully, um, what happens there, if, if anything happens there. Um, and so, I, Hillary, I actually want to stick with you for the next question um, to start off here. And I remember, I, I believe it was last week when we were um, chatting on the phone a bit, and I, I think it was you that was talking a little bit about far, how, the importance of having a pharmacy informatics team. And with was that you? That I, or was it Susan? Okay, sorry. I think I, I it is important. So sorry about that, Hillary, and I would love to hear from you as well. Um, but Susan, I'll start with you then for this one. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, your experience at New York Presbyterian with that type of team, why it's important to have it, and 
you know, advice for other systems as well. Sure, so I guess I want to just kind of take it back to um, old school. Um, back in the day when I was a pharmacy intern out in South Philly at a Methodist Hospital, it's in, on Broad Street in Philly. Back in like 20 years ago, if you asked me if you needed a pharmacy informatics person for your department, my answer would be completely different from what it is today. Back then, I remember running the floors to grab those yellow papers, I don't know if you guys remember, to actually manually transcript and write the prescription onto, um, you know, and dispense into a log, not even a computer. Then we kind of, you know, trended and went towards technology, and now you can't do anything without the computer. So anything for any of the departments, you really need somebody on the back end, um, and pharmacy informatics is huge because it's departmental resourcefulness. It really is. Um, and as my career grew, like, and you know, being in this role for several years, I've noticed like one of my biggest impacts that I've been able to do is safety. You know, you can really use your um, technology to help with patient safety, and you know, basically strategize in your computer systems how to prevent future errors. Um, same thing with formulary. You strategize how to plant, you know, items in your formulary so that you don't drive up drug costs. You, um, you know, are able to control it a lot better. Um, and so now, because we're not paper anymore, we're all electronic, um, you know, pharmacy informatics is so important in a department for those reasons and also for patient optimization. Um, those are like the four main things that I would say. So safety, departmental resourcefulness, as we're getting more and more technology, you know, um, machines can only do so much. You have to program these machines to know the smart things to do. And I would completely agree with smart pumps, you know, they're not that smart unless the person that's you know kind of building it has all the you know safety guardrails planted into it to make it smart to work um, so I would say that those are like the biggest um, key things that every department really for pharmacy really needs a pharmacy informatics person to help um, you know use those technologies efficient, um, efficiently and safely and so is this something that's really common? I, I, like, how many of your organizations have a, like a pharmacy informatics person or team? Okay. Thank you. That just helps me with perspective. Um, but would anyone else want to kind of weigh in on this? I just this, want to Brad? just echo on Susan's yeah. thoughts on safety. It's, we're one of the few industries where we use education as our primary tool for change. We all know how education works, right? It works well for the first two or three months, and then we're back to baseline. So I think it, as we become wiser with using technology to drive safety, to me is one of the keys for us as a, as a not only a pharmacy profession, but just in healthcare in general, because one of the few ways you can actually hardwire uh, a process outside of trying to educate, which we all know doesn't work long term. So if you educate plus hardwire, then you've got a winner. Right, and the ISMP recently, I think within the past year, they made a statement that, you know, you can educate your providers, you can educate your clinicians all you want, but they really think that technology is more beneficial in preventing errors than relying on education and, um, you know, human error. I mean, we are in the information age, so it's really important to have clinicians, pharmacists who can speak that language and make you know, important uh, decisions with your IT people uh, to help roll out, you know, your EHR and, and your other programs to build in those order sets, align labs, um, helping to reduce order fatigue um, with all of those different pop-ups. And of course, they should be involved in any types of, of data stewardship initiatives, whether it's antimicrobial stewardship, opioid stewardship, pharmacogenomics, 
Um, so I think that really we're going to start seeing a shift even towards more of the digital practitioner, you know, with more of these apps and wearables. Um, I think that pharmacists are going to be um, really helping to uh, help patients know what the information is that, that the apps are telling them. So. Yeah, and, and just to, to build on that, I think there's two other things that, that we focus on with our uh, pharmacy informatics teams. One is really this automated data and reporting to get access to different payer populations, uh, different LDD access populations, and going through URAC and ACHC accreditation uh, to make sure that you know these great hospital pharmacy programs are really serving the broadest patient population possible. And really that's impossible without a lot of these automated reporting structures that you really need that in-house in-pharmacy expertise in order to focus on. And then once you really have access to that population and you start enrolling patients on this great program, you know, it's how do you make sure everyone's staying on therapy? How do you make sure they're retained within the program? Uh, and really that making sure, you know, no patients getting left behind sort of falling through any of the cracks. You can really use data in a powerful way uh, if you have someone solely focused on, you know, identifying those patients, you know, at risk of uh, sort of slipping away. Great. Thank you all so much for your perspectives there. And I, I think with today we've talked a lot about um, so far sort of the technology you're currently using um, and, and sort of how that's um, evolved over the years. Um, so where do you see like the biggest opportunity maybe even like this year or over the next few years? Um, like what are some of the new innovative technologies and, and how are, where are your um, organizations looking right now? Um, Brad or Susan? Okay. Yeah, Brad? Sure, I'll start it. Um, we've talked about the data a lot too, but I still think that last question really kind of leads forward with how do we use technology to drive operations, workflow. Um, as we have to, pharmacists cost a lot of money, so as we go forward, we're not going to be able to plop a pharmacist in every clinic and every floor in, the, in your hospital. And so we've got to figure out how do we better leverage the, the, your electronic medical record or your technology to make pharmacists more efficient. You know, I always say that we could, should be able to build a system such that 80% of the stuff that should really be thoughtless, like your basic IVPO for cost containment or some of those things should be built within your system and let the pharmacists do the hard work, the other 10 or 20% of the, of the hard stuff. Uh, so I think going forward, that's gonna be key is how do you drive efficiencies, efficiencies through technology I'll let the computer work for us. You know, we're kind of stubborn usually. We're pretty all, pretty much type A. You can all shake your heads. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so we, we tend to like you know trust only ourselves. But we've got to change our thoughts in our profession to let technology help us to be more efficient. Um, the other piece, as I mentioned earlier, is how do we take all this good work we've done on the within the four walls of the hospital and then apply that to the ambulatory space? Because that that is our future within pharmacy is is um, you know, hospitals a cost payment model that we've kind of perfected, but how do we take all this technology and drive it to our inventory space, um, even down to a payer level, so is different than Humana is different than um, um, Humana. Uh, so that's, that's one of the key areas I see going for. I don't know what it looks like, um, but we've got to figure out a good way to leverage technology to figure out those patients we need to touch, you know, which clinics do we need to get into because they're potentially high revenue generators for specialty pharmacy or whatever business model you're looking at. Uh, so to me, I think that's, that's some of the keys going forward. 
Thank you so much, Brad. Yeah. So I can piggyback off of that. So what I have dreams about at night now is artificial intelligence in the ambulatory space, especially the specialty pharmacy. Um, I think we could really use artificial intelligence to um, help with some of these day-to-day -day functionalities that you know take up a lot of time, especially prior authorizations for specific medications. Um, now, I want to just point out, like I have a disclaimer, I think technology can only enhance your role. Like technology can help assist to make your role more efficient. It doesn't take away jobs. It'll just help you practice at the top of your license versus replacing your um, job itself. Um, the other things that are, I think, that are in the trend, um, especially of what's happening now is, um, you know, clinical decision support a lot more in systems. Um, I think there's a lot of EHR burnout. There's a lot of um, space for optimizing a lot of your EHRs. Um, I think that you can use technology, you know, and build so many rules in it, but we really need to be going towards um, a model of really having that clinical practice again, you know, and not relying on technology so much for the clinical aspects, but a lot of the day-to-day -day things like approvals and things on the back end like scheduling and all of that can be done through technology versus that clinical piece to it. Um, I think also with, um, you know, our EHRs coming, I think data sharing, that's like a model that we should really be looking at. I know a couple years ago there was a system called RIO. I don't know if anybody's uh, heard of RIO. It was like the regional health um, optimization where they were trying to share data between a couple different health systems. I think data sharing is where it's at and we really need to be going towards that to really give that um, one-stop shop where you can really see all of the data for our patients so that we can give them, you know, better care. Like if they're getting, you know, prescriptions on an outpatient basis at a Walgreens or at a CVS or some independent pharmacy or a specialty like we need to have all of that data together to really know what's going on um, to prevent errors and you know hospital readmissions um, so I think all of those things um, you know blockchain is uh, one thing that we can really use to highlight the data sharing piece to it um, and I think as just pharmacists in general, in terms of just trends, you know, how are some of these other professions really able to really make, um, you know, some breakthroughs? Like look at the banking industry, like we don't even use checks or anything like that. Everything's electronic. So really thinking outside the box and bringing in these unique ideas um, into the pharmacy space, we can really do a lot more. Yeah, and, and just one quick follow-up question. When you, you were talking about the importance of data sharing. What do you see as the biggest barrier to to data sharing and why aren't organizations doing that? Is it because they're competing with each other or they, yeah. it's just the technology isn't there? You know, my motto or my mantra for pharmacy itself is collaboration versus competition. You know, we really need to be collaborative towards patient care. Yes, I understand it's a business model. You know, it's all a business. You need to have sustainability, but you can also create unique ways to really create revenue generation for your health system. You don't necessarily need to compete. So, you know, some aspects of things, you can really be collaborative. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna ask that. One of the, one of the areas of the, not concern, but challenges is sometimes we, it's not always apples, apples with our data. So it's kind of like Granny Smith and a Fuji apple, right? They're apples, but they're still different. Uh, so that's one of the issues I see is sort of day to day when we try to, when we try to share with our colleagues, it's not working with the same data set sometimes. Yeah, I completely agree with the collaboration type of mindset, but I think the lack of interoperability is such a huge issue. We've got one system on this and somebody else is using this and how do we, you know, that's a really big uh, initiative for CMS is to help drive towards interoperability. So I think that that's going to be uh, really be able to unlock a lot of the stuff that we want to do and kind of to just 
uh, go back to our earlier question on the, the biggest trends. I think embracing technology, as you all mentioned, so that we can practice at the top of our license is really important. So just kind of re rethinking that mindset. Um, some of the biggest things that I'm excited about are um, related to medication adherence. So it's a 100 to $300 billion um, of avoidable um, you know, healthcare costs issue every year. And Harvard Business Review actually came out with an article in January talking about how pharmacists can play a big role in that. And so we have a lot of ways that we can do that, but we can't do that by leveraging some technologies such as medication synchronization. Uh, we've got lots of different devices. You've got like the Spencer that's actually downstairs. So go check that out. There's a lot of them. Um, digital pills, so, you know, Abilify uh, My Site, and smartphones, like just, you know, text reminders and things like that. So I think that's going to be a really big um, way to impact pharmacy. Um, I think blockchain is going to be a really huge um, game changer, uh, not only for the healthcare space, but also within the, the pharmaceutical supply chain as we're trying to, to move towards um, uh, being DSCSA compliant or track and trace compliant. How do we share all of that data? Because manufacturers don't necessarily want the, the health systems to see everything that they're doing and, and distributors, vice versa. Um, yeah, AI, and then just kind of other interesting things. I think the gig economy is gonna be really big um, there. And then like online prescribing of meds. I just think they're things that we need to be tracking. And, and just, I think, the, that's a lot of, uh, I think, really exciting things just to build on that also. Uh, we have, like, I think some of the remote patient monitoring and, and telehealth, which, you know, has been around for a while, but really is still being fleshed out by the, the entire hospital pharmacy industry. And really, as you think about the, the paradigm shift from these very controlled environments like Brad was talking about with inpatient pharmacy clinical trials to now where a lot of uh, pharmacy is actually being prescribed out of the hospital outpatient clinics, you have to factor in, okay, what are the additional tools at our disposal that we can use to not just collect data, but really bring a lot of this control back to the environments that the patients are now existing and taking their medications. So being able to evaluate uh, not just sort of the clinical factors, but also the behavioral and environmental factors that we all know are, are so impactful on sort of patient outcomes now. And really a, a lot of the, the technology we're seeing a lot of our, our partners work with telehealth and, and remote patient monitoring in order to, to bring that clinical controlled environment level of data to the outpatient uh, or really at home setting now. Great, so many great takeaways there. I think that that's always the goal with the, with the panel discussion is to have some key takeaways. And you, you all have provided so many today. Um, I wanted, it looks like we have about five minutes left um, in our session. And so I wanted to open up the floor to questions. If anyone in the audience has questions about anything we've talked about today or any other questions for the panelists, I would love to make sure we get to those before we wrap things up today. How do you uh, incentivize sharing of data? Because, you know, everyone considers data as capital as money. I mean, um, how do you make that equilibrium there and between patients, so with privacy and security as well? Good so question. Yeah, yeah. Can everyone a, hear the question? Yeah. Okay, it was how do you incentivize data sharing or data? I think we all want to, we're just scared to, within health, from health system to health system. That's my sort of lens is health system to health system because 
It's um, you know benchmarking is tough. We we are Visient clients, so we can compare ourselves to Visient. Um, however, you know we can't compare ourselves to our regional competitors. We can't compare ourselves to. So it's, I think we want to. We're just scared to because of honestly competition, and then um, how do you match it? So it's apples apples, and they're both Granny Smiths. Not. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, think about companies like 23andMe, like people are willingly sharing their data to know their results, and then they're taking that to help with drug discovery, so, I don't know. I mean, what do we all go to school for? Think back to, you know, the whole oath, like, what do we, you know, what are we doing every day? Like, we get so caught up in, you know, technology and all the innovative ideas, like the basic concept is that at the end of the day, we're still providing patient care, so why not? Yeah, and I think this is really where having a, an intermediary can be very helpful and in addressing a lot of the sort of hospital-to-hospital -hospital competitive issues that, that folks mentioned, uh, really being able to say, okay, we're going to do the heavy lifting of, you know, making sure it's, you know, Fuji to Fuji and, you know, really being able to apply out the, the insights from all of that data being collectively gathered you know, gives everyone the incentive to share in those best practices from real data across many, many uh, hospitals and health systems to get this great cross-section. Uh, because one of the things we have learned is there's so many permutations of patients and medication regimens and conditions, really no one case is, you know, sort of the, the same. So you really just need this broad breadth of data because, you know, if, if you haven't seen it, probably someone else has seen something a lot closer than something you've already seen. So being able to draw on the broadest set of, of data and really patient experiences, I think has shown some, some real benefits for us. But I think we're in the right steps because look at all the large health systems. At least, you know, within a large health system, you don't have multiple different things. We're kind of going towards one EHR. So let's start there. All the VA systems across the country, they're all connected. So, you know, we're starting somewhere. I don't think it's going to be perfect tomorrow, but I think we're kind of going in that direction because people are going to want to push for the best care that they want, you know? And well, thank you so much. I think that, um, if, if, are there any more questions for our panelists today? I think that's a really great note to end on. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.